Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 247 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Beth Anundi. Beth lives in Sublimity, Oregon. I just love saying that, Sublimity. She and her husband own and operate a pawn shop with their family called Capital Pawn. If you are a listener of the Life Lessons podcast, you will recognize Beth from episode 86, which came out July 20th. We talked to her all about the ins and outs of operating a pawn shop and how they actually support the community. So for anybody who doesn't listen to Life Lessons, you should definitely listen to that episode after listening to Beth today because we learned so much. Sherry and I learned a lot about pawn shops talking to Beth. And today I'm excited to talk to her about fasting. So welcome, Beth. Thank you, Jen. I'm thrilled to be here and just excited to tell about my story in case it helps somebody else. Well, it definitely will. That's the beauty of all of these stories. You know, everybody has common threads that weave throughout the episodes, but then there's always some unique things that that are, are unique to the person telling the story. And that is what makes it such a great podcast to be part of. So I appreciate you coming. And you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? Well, what brought me to intermittent fasting isn't as common as weight loss. So I had severe migraines and in 2018, I I was out of commission for two to six days at a time every single month because of migraines. And so they wanted to put me on a migraine medication that was a daily medication. And I just thought, there's there's just no way I'm not good at being consistent taking medication. I didn't really want to take the medication <laughs> consistently anyway. And so I started praying. This was July 
This was July 18th of 2020. So right in the middle of the pandemic. And we are we are two years from that date. Like yesterday was the 18th. We're recording this in July. So two years ago. Yeah. So basically we're on my, yeah, we're actually on my two-year fast anniversary. So which that's is, exciting. Well, a couple days ago, but yeah. So I started praying and I, of course, also Googled and guess what came up? Intermittent fasting. And I thought, I literally thought, there's no way that that is going to work. How possibly could not eating work to alleviate migraines? Because I used to get migraines when I would not eat, when I would do the wrong thing, when I would move the wrong way, when I wouldn't drink enough water, all of those things. So it did not seem like a good fit, but I realized what in the world do I have to lose? So that surprises me. It surprises me that Googling migraine relief that fasting came up in 2020. And you know, Jen, I've gone back and tried to figure out what I found. I can't tell you what I found. I've never seen it again. I have no idea, but it did bring me to your book eventually after some um, more Googling and some like, tell me more about intermittent fasting. And that's how I found fast feast repeat. And that's, that's how I got here was I literally started that day and I was like, okay, well, I'm already done eating. So this is simple. I just started. How easy is that? You've, you just already started the, the plan. <laughs> yeah, it was so simple. And then I just decided, okay, so I won't eat tomorrow until I actually had a plan to not eat until like one, which would have been, I think, somewhere around 16 or 18 hours. But then at one, I thought, oh, I'm just going to drink some water. They say drink water. And I just cruised on through to about 20 hours. And I stayed at 20 hours until the first four months. I was 20 and four or 24, however you'd like to say that. And so I ate in a window of four hours and I gave it the good old college try. I was eating Chick-fil-A. I was eating all the bad things. I was having a Coke. I was having wine in my window. I was doing everything, everything to make this not work. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. And, and it totally, totally worked. That's hilarious. Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing to admit, but <laughs> I was just trying to be, you know, I don't know, sabotage, I guess. Well, you just wanted to like, you know, push the limits. There there are those of us like that. They're like, okay. Well, it was like when I read the eight-hour diet, which, you know, for eating fast food, just repeat, did not work for me. But in the eight-hour diet, he said, you can do whatever you want in those eight hours. Just eat whatever you want, however much you want. I'm like, challenge accepted. <laughs> and of course, I didn't lose any weight. Eight hours is too long for me. And 16 is not enough fasting. But you were pushing those limits of the 24. Which those are better limits to push if you're going to push limits. Yes, that's that's true. I did start out at 100 because I know people are going to ask about the weight loss, even though it was the migraines that really was that um, that was like the little mini miracle for me losing the migraines. I'm only 5'2 and a little bit of hope. And I weigh 100 at the time I started, I weighed 156.8, which if you look at your weight a lot, that point, whatever is meaningful, unfortunately. <laughs> I get it. And when you're when you're shorter in stature, that 0.8 means more than someone who's like 5'10", right? Absolutely. So I started out there and by the time a year was up, I had I was at goal weight, which in my head was 123. And how did you come up with 123? I don't know how I selected 123 because in college and high school, I was between 109 and 114. And so you would think that I would go right to that number, but 123 just didn't sound like a round number. It was interesting. And I really didn't think I would drop any lower than, you know, maybe 125 because for 21 years, I had been in this 130 to 140 range. Oh, longer than that because... 26 years probably because I had kids. So I just assumed that I was never going to get in the low 120s. It seemed like pie in the sky. That's like me when I picked 135 just out of the air. Because I mean, I had been when I was doing all the diet pills and all that, I had been around 129 and able to maintain there. But I had gained so much weight that that just seemed impossible. So 135 was 75 pounds. That was a nice round number. I wanted that round number for whatever reason, 135. I was like, it's just a dream. It'll never happen. Oh, that's totally what I thought. Because remember, it was about migraines for me. Right. So, which by the way, they have completely dissipated. I've had two in the last two years that have been, and I know what they were from. I drank red wine the night before. <laughs> 
and I was a little bit stressed. So there were several things and I traveled. So I did end up with two, but they went away almost immediately. That's amazing. So you were having them two to six days every month. Yes. And how long did you have the migraines? Like what, how much of your life did you suffer from them? I've had migraines for, I didn't realize they were migraines for a long time, but for as long as I can remember. So probably started at 12, but just thought it was a bad headache. And then they got worse in college, I think due to stress. And then they changed a little bit after kids. So that's a long time. I'm, I'm 51. So that's a long time. And they were mostly hormonal. However, like I said earlier, they could be due to just about anything else. Weather would set them off, eating habits, and lack of water were the keys for me. You had lots of triggers and you knew. You, you could probably feel one coming on. You're like, oh, darn it. Why did I fill in the blank? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And what was kind of cool was in the first, they got really bad in 2018 and 19 because we were dealing with some personnel stuff at work. And so I was doing my job, the manager's job, and another couple other jobs. And so I just got really stressed out. But when I figured this out, what was really cool was I started July 18th. And then by November, they were almost, I mean, I had a few like partial migraines that were like half a day. And then they were gone. Not two days or five days. So so you were really out of commission when you would have a migraine. Yeah, I would have what I call like the the precursor to it where you just feel like not real great and you can't kind of figure out what's going on because you're not thinking straight. And then I would get it for one day and I would definitely be out for at least two days. And then I'd have the migraine hangover. It's called a migraine hangover. Well, that's my term for it. Well, I can imagine it. Yeah. For the next two days, you're just kind of like not all... Kind of like a brain fog. Yes, absolutely. Much more like brain fog than anything else. And sometimes my body would ache too. Wow. So you don't know what the root cause was for all those migraines. Well, I would assume it was hormonal and then I would get stressed about it. And so... And so it would just exacerbate it. So, and then the triggers, of course, I knew what the triggers were, but yeah. It, but it sounds like you had a lot of them. So it's really hard. I mean, stress, you can't avoid stress. No. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we could. could. That would be nice. So you started right off the bat your first day, you did 20 hours. I did. And it was a clean fast, Jen. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Day one, 20 hours, clean fast. So um, how did you feel? Did it just, you just kept feeling easy day after day? The first four days were really hard because I was nervous that I was going to get a migraine, trigger a migraine because I wasn't eating, but I was drinking enough water, which was great. And I wasn't used to not eating. So getting used to that feeling, that's okay because I had done a number of diets in the past and knew that the first two weeks are going to be really, really hard. Then you're going to be great for week three, and then week four, you're going to fall off the wagon. So I was like, (laughs) that does like explain every diet in the world, right? Like every diet, of course, you know, intermittent fasting is not a diet. It's diets are what intermittent fasting is when, but you're exactly right. With every diet, you would get off to such a great start. You'd feel so good. You're doing great. Then it gets harder, harder, harder. Then you fall off the wagon and you never go back. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by Optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. 
Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portioned and prepped quality whole foods with limited processed ingredients. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced proteins, and chef-designed recipes in every box for satisfying, nourishing, and convenient meals that fit in beautifully to my cleanish lifestyle, and the food is totally window-worthy. Tonight, we're having barbecue sweet potato tacos with cabbage and carrot slaw, black beans, corn, and cheesy tortillas, and they come with Green Chef's chimichurri sauce. So good. Go to greenchef.com slash ifstories50 and use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's greenchef.com slash ifstories50. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Right. And I do not consider this a diet. I get so frustrated when people say that intermittent fasting is 100% my lifestyle and the way I live. And it has altered my life in such great ways. So, so while the first four days were hard back to that, I knew that there had to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And then it just became easy. And I, you know, that runner's high, they always talk about. Yes. That's what happens for me with intermittent fasting. It's those ketones. You're getting getting the ketone energy, and our brains love ketones. Who needs to run? I don't. I don't need to run. Sorry, runners out there. I know you love running. And I, <laughs> I love like water aerobics. Yeah, that's we each have our own thing. So I just that was that was a killer for me. Like that, I shouldn't say killer as in bad. It was good thing. Like I was super excited about that those ketones kicking in and it felt so good. So I just kept it up until November and I changed it up. Okay. So in November of 2020, you changed something up. What was, what did you change up and why? Well, after I got rid of the migraines or felt them dissipating, I realized, wow, I'm losing weight. Well, this is great. This is a great non-scale victory. That's a absolutely attached to the scale victory. And I realized that I was sort of, I I called it a stall at the time, but it was just sort of a steady decline that I couldn't see. And I thought, well, how, how can I switch this up and make the scale move faster? And I decided to go to, I think at that time, I'm pretty sure in November I did 23-1. Okay. And that made the scale move again. And then I just went back to my 24 so you would kind of alternate a little bit of 23-1, then back to 24 here and there. Right. And actually, every time I thought the scale wasn't moving, I would change and do something a little bit different. So I did alternate day fasting, which was interesting. Well, t- when did you do that? And tell us about how that went. Because people, you know, people like to hear about alternate day fasting. A lot of people are scared of it. Some people try it and they don't like it. Some people try it and they're like, man, this is great. Some people try it too soon before they're ready. And (laughs) then they come back to it later and find they like it better. But tell us about your experience. I might have been the one who tried it too soon and then tried it later and it worked out well. But the first time I tried it, I want to say it was also in November because I kind of was doing, I think I was doing them simultaneously, which I would not necessarily recommend. I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure it was in November, but I'm not 100% sure. But alternate day fasting was very scary. Let's assume that I did not do it with the 23 and 1 because that's not something I would recommend. No, you know, because you got to have the up day after that, especially. Definitely. And I wasn't, when I was doing it, I think what I was doing was, okay, let me think about this. For sure, when I did alternate day fasting the original time, I was doing, um, a full day fasted. Uh huh. And then the next, let's say it was two sleeps, then the next day I would do eight hours of eating. And it was scary for me because I didn't, I felt like the parameters were off and I was, I was confused about what to eat and how much. And I had eight whole hours and, and it became confusing and scary to me. And I listened to Roxy on your podcast and realized. I can't make this scary. I just need to do it. So for two weeks, I did uh, modified alternate day fasting, and that really helped. That's where you have a down day with a 500-calorie meal. Yes. So I did the 500-calorie meal on the down day, and then I would fast. I started on Monday, and I with the down day, 500-calorie meal, I would fast all day Tuesday. Wednesday, I would do 500 calories, et cetera, until Sunday. 
So wait, so you would do the 500 calorie and then the next day was an up day. Yes. I'm sorry. You said you fasted. I'm like, no, no, no. Everyone, she did not do that. She did not have a 500 calorie meal and then a whole nother fast. I just, yeah. Yeah, So a 500 calorie Monday and then an up day, full day on Tuesday. And then (laughs) I just wanted to pop that in there. Thank you for straightening me out. So it was Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I did up days. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Sorry, I'm getting all confused. So Monday was the down. Monday, Wednesday, Friday down. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday up. And then Sunday, I would do my regular just pattern of eating. So it would be a 20 and four. So it was an, a four, three approach, but the, instead of four up days and three down days, you had, it was really like three, three, one, <laughs> three down, three up. And then it was a hybrid, hybrid kind of a approach. It was. And I think people get really hung up on those approaches because they, they're not stringent. They're not super structured. And so I think people get really hung up on that. Or confused like I did, where I was saying I was fasting when I was not. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. So you did that in, in, for a while, and, and how did that feel? Because I saw the scale move, I was very excited about it. But I was not excited about alternate day fasting until the next time I tried it. Okay. And because sleep was a little bit hard the first time around. So So you didn't do it for very long at first, the first time? It was, it was three weeks. The first week. I did true alternate day fasting where I didn't eat anything on my down days. And then the next two weeks, I I had listened to Roxy on your show and realized, okay, I could do this with a 500 calorie meal on my down days. Right. So you did that for a couple more weeks, but you were having trouble sleeping and it just wasn't quite for you at that, at that time. Right. But I did love the feeling at 40 hours or at 38 hours. Wow. That was fun little bit of rocket fuel there. There are those ketones again. Absolutely. So you went back to 24 at that point? Yes. That was really very comfortable for me and I was still losing weight. And so I just stuck at 24 and I would just slide it around. So if we opened at two, I'd you know close four hours later. And if we opened at five, I'd close four hours later. Yeah. That's the way I always do it too. When I, when I, well, I don't count anymore. Obviously everybody knows that, but people... It's just, it's interesting how many people don't think to do that with your eating window. Instead, people focus on the fast. And I think a lot of it is the fasting apps, perhaps, that have have made people focus on the fast. You know, but my roots, of course, were Burt Hearing's 19.5, you know, with his Fast 5 program. And he stressed the five. That was what he said. He said, you have a five-hour eating window. Focus on the five-hour eating window. And so I just ignored the 19 part and just focused on the five and I slid it around just like you did with the four. And so for anybody who's listening, that's having a challenge figuring out, you know, your timing, focus on the other thing. Like if you're tracking one thing right now, maybe you're tracking your fast instead, start tracking the the eating window. It just can make a huge difference. It does. I will say that I use two different apps and one does track my window and the other does track my fast because I do want to make it to at least 18 hours if possible. See, for me, I didn't care about that because, you know, my, my math teacher brain, you know, I'm always talking about averages and, and I, I figured, because I mean, math, <laughs> you know, if we average, if I averaged five hours or less for my eating window, then my fast averaged 19 or more. Because if one day I opened a little earlier, but I still kept my window to five hours, but the next day I opened a little later, I had a slightly longer fast that day. So it all averaged out. So if one day I did 17, the next day would balance out with, what was that, maybe 21. Right. And I think that's what, I do have an app that allows that tracking to happen. So it averages it for the week and it gives you that average at the end of the week, which I really love because now that I'm not so stringent or strict with my fasting window, gosh, not my fasting window, my eating Your window. eating window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been nice to have that to see that I really am still sticking around 18 hours. Yeah. And and I like I said I don't count mine, but it just feels natural to not keep it open too long most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and I find that I get full and satisfied and then I I'm like, okay. I can just close my window and move on. 
So you you went back to the 24 for a while, shifting around that four-hour window, and, and weight loss continued to be slow and steady? Is that what you would say? Yeah, I started calling myself a turtle, but I really wasn't. I lost 35 pounds in a year, and so, or 37 pounds in a year. So that was that's not slow, but it's definitely not quick. Yeah, it's not quick, but you didn't have any more to go after that, right? Or was that your goal? When you was 37 pounds where you stopped? Uh, yes, although I am trending down a little bit now again, and I don't have any concerns about that because I'm still in the middle of my BMI goal weight. It's not really an issue. I'm not getting too skinny or anything like that. But it's interesting now that I'm not paying as much attention to my windows that I'm trending down a little bit again. That is funny. Yeah. <laughs> Your body's ready to let a little more go. And it's like, we're fine. We got nothing to worry about. We can release a little more weight. I hope so. It would be fun, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, is that, yeah, 37 pounds in a year. You know, if we think about, let's use the word average again, average, an average of a pound of week is, is a, a great rate of loss. And so, you know, you clearly lost less than an average of a pound a week, but as someone who was 5'2 and didn't have a ton of weight to lose. Like you didn't need to lose 52 pounds in a year, right? That would have been too much for your body. And so it naturally goes at a slower pace. And so I bet your body also continued to change or is continuing to change. You're having some body recomposition still going on? Yes, actually still. I just was wearing a bathing suit in April and I'm wearing it again today. And I can tell that the band right above my ribs or right around my ribs is too loose now. So yeah, definitely. And I had, um, for the first time ever, I used to have huge legs. It was just part of the way my body was built. And I actually can fit my calves into regular size boots, which has never, ever, even when I was 109 in high school, I couldn't do that. So that's huge. <laughs> that really is, you know, cause you might think, well, if that's how my legs were in high school, that's just how they're going to be. But you've lost weight in your calves. Somehow, yes. So I was really excited about that. You don't know how exciting it is to buy real boots instead of the stretchy ones or ones that you have to buy special with a fat top or thick top. I don't know. Open, bigger, wider, bigger. I've no, See, I've always had, I mean, I've, I have muscular calves, but they've always been, even, even when I was, was obese, I could still wear regular boots. That's so yeah. I'm, I'm considering myself <laughs> lucky then. <laughs> I never had to buy like wide calf boots. Is that what they would call them? Wide calf boots? I don't know. Yes, that is what they call them. And I just stopped wearing them because I was like, I can't even buckle up my ski boots. I had to leave the top buckle unbu unbuckled. Well, I know that's a really good feeling then. It was absolutely amazing. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it was it was just amazing. Well, it doesn't. You know, if you have limitations on what you can wear e for whatever reason, it's really nice not to have those limitations anymore. That's true. So that's a victory. I, I think that's a huge victory. It's definitely something to celebrate. So when was the second time that you tried alternate daily fasting and what motivated you to try that the second time? The, sec uh, the scale, again. <laughs> uh, I know that's everybody's answer, right? Or at least 90% of us. So I looked at the scale and I just thought, okay, well, I'm really close to my goal weight. I think it was at 125. And I thought, well, I'll give alternate day fasting a chance again, because maybe it didn't work out the way I wanted it to the first time, although it did move the scale. I thought maybe I'll enjoy it this time. When was that? It was toward the end of my year of you losing weight. So it was right probably May of 21. Okay. And I jumped right into it, decided to do modified alternate day fasting. And I did it very similarly to the second two weeks. So I simply did the 500 calorie down day. And then I would eat the following day. And I stuck with Monday, Wednesday, Friday for down days. And Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday were my up days. And then Sunday, I did more of a regular five. Sometimes I was a five hour, six hour window just because I was close to my goal weight. So what happened the, the second time? Did it, it felt better that time? How were you sleeping? Yeah, it actually felt great. I was sleeping better. I, and I, it could be a lot of reasons. I think I started too early beforehand, jumped in a little too early, but I was very used to fasting at that point And I wasn't scared of food anymore. I didn't worry about what I was putting in my mouth anymore. I had been able to 
more control my portions and, but I wasn't worried about it. So there wasn't that concern when I was eating. I just ate food. I love that. That, you know, that might sound crazy. You know, I'm like thinking about my husband and, and my sons that that's just how they've always been. They just ate food. But but I totally get it. And the listeners who have struggled with dieting and food, we we understand that. That the, the the ability to just eat food. And and I know some listeners probably are not there yet, right? But the fact that you got there. It took, you know, a full year. And that little I call her the little diet tyrant in my head. She she will throw a fit sometimes still, but she didn't at that point. And so it worked out pretty well. I believe I did it for a, just a week. And on July 19th, actually today. One year ago to today, this were recording, yeah, yep. I reached 123 pounds, which is which was my original goal weight. So Awesome. And today I'm 120-ish, 121, but I stick kind of, you know, right in there. And it's never really gone much higher than 125 during the last year. So you have that little maintenance range that you fluctuate within, but you're pretty much staying within it. A little bit of down, but mostly just right in that range. Yes, which was also, I mean, honestly, maintenance has been more difficult than the losing the weight. Oh, well, tell us why. I think because I haven't been in maintenance range for 20 some odd years, 27 years. You know, I got pregnant 27 years ago. So I just never had, I was always following a diet. I was always following a regimen or a structured plan for, I've got to get this many steps in. I have to eat this. I can't eat that. I don't want to eat that. I can't eat after six o'clock, et cetera, et cetera. And all those rules kind of went out the door. The only thing I'm worried about is, is my window open or is it closed? That's not a lot of rules, a lot of freedom. It was scary to me. I still have to step on the scale every day. Did that glass of wine cause me to gain seven pounds? No, no, it did not. So I still have a lot of, a lot of work to do. I think in my head a little bit. It was a little bit harder just because I wasn't sure what to do. Well, because every time before we got to a goal, we always regained the weight. Well, yeah, I just went back to whatever I was doing before. And this is just so easy. It's it's freedom from the diet tyrant. It's freedom from food. It's freedom from so many things that strapped me down before. You talk about the, the diet tyrant in your head, and now you're not scared of food anymore. But that means that you had been. So tell us a little bit about that diet history that that got you trapped in that that diet brain. Like when did you first start dieting? After I had my third child in 2000, I went up in weight until about 2003. And ironically enough, uh, one of the things that I thought was happening was I was eating too late at night. So I would stop eating at six o'clock. And I had a buddy and we would have to tattle on each other if we ate anything after 6 p.m. So we were actually fasting without knowing what we were doing. You were. You had a, a you were closing up that eating window just a bit. It wasn't like a real short one, but. <laughs> yes. No, because then the next day I would get the kids off to school and then I would come back and I would probably eat lunch, I would say, like around noon or one or two. So I was, I mean, literally actually fasting. Yeah, you were. But when you tell people what you're doing and it's so weird and out there and why would you not eat? So we stopped that after a while and uh, I did lose weight, by the way, and I felt great, but I got pulled into sort of the um, exercise keto world. Not that keto is bad. That's not what I'm saying. I just, uh, it has a lot more structure to it. And so we started exercising and, uh, and a lot like doing the I can't think of what it's called right now, but definitely at the gym a lot, doing all of the keto type eating or carb, low carb, things like that. And I tried Nutrisystem. In the next 20 some odd years, I tried Nutrisystem. Man, that stuff is cardboard. Sorry. I never tried that one because I had a friend who did it and she talked about how it was gross. <laughs> but I did Jenny Craig because maybe theirs wouldn't be as gross. 
It was just as gross. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Sorry, they're not. Jenny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're good. Wasn't uh, good. And I did, I did slim fast because I was like, oh, it's just a shake in the morning. I could do a shake in the morning, shake in the afternoon. And none of those really worked because once I went off of them, of course, the weight came back on. But I did at one point get down to 124, which is the closest I'd come to my goal weight. I <clears throat> dipped down there right quick and then right back up because I was doing so much. I was spending like two hours in the gym a day and I was doing what I would consider low carb at the time. So I was very structured, very strict, and it was very hard to keep down at that level. So hard that I bounced right back up to one. If you don't love low carb, it is really hard to keep up long term. Yes. And I do love low carb. I don't have any issues with it except long term. So I do right. like to have something else. So you enjoy else doing I, it. It's, it works well for your body and you enjoy. See, I, I didn't feel good. So I mean, everybody who's listened for a while knows that about me, but I didn't feel good and I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I do have a friend on Instagram and we tried it together recently just for fun. And she was like, this is not working for me. I feel no, no. And I was like, don't do it. If it's not working for you, don't do it. And so we decided not to do it because you're really, this is an experiment of one. You're doing what's best for your body, not mine, not Jen's, not, you know, Guido, like what's best for my body. So, so now that you're, you're not afraid of food anymore. You talked about at the beginning, when you first started intermittent fasting, you put all the things back in, you know, the Chick-fil-A, all of that. So now, how would you describe the way you eat at this point? If we are at home, and I say, I keep saying we because my husband did start fasting with me. Yay! I know. If we are at home, we definitely eat at home most of the time. And it's usually a protein, typically steak, because we love steak, and at least two vegetables and a salad. And those vegetables can be anything now, like corn. I can have corn. Awesome. If you're not familiar with keto, you're not really supposed to eat corn. So no (laughs) Um, corn, yams, you know, just anything that's real food. And that's what we do most of the time when we're at home. We do a lot of work outside of, so we'll go to conferences and conventions and it's a little bit different there. And then when we're on vacation, I allow more time in my window and I do allow for us to eat things I keep saying allow, like it's some sort of (laughs) problem, but I do eat things that are local. So if it's German food, we'll have German food. And if it's Mexican food in Mexico, we'll have Mexican food. So, so you're just a little, you're more, you just have more of a simple kind of a way of eating at home. But when you're out on vacation or at a conference, you embrace the delicious food that's available. I do. I do still eat mostly most of the time in a window though. So the window will be six hours or less typically. Yeah. I just don't even really know how not to do that because I don't like to eat early in the day. Anytime I have a really, really, really long window, it usually involves college friends visiting the beach and we're up at two in the morning. That's the only time I'm having a really long window and a short fast. (laughs) But other than like, I don't want to eat early in the day. No. And as a matter of fact, I have done that a few times thinking, okay, I don't know. We went to Dachau uh, in Germany, the concentration camp. And I was like, I don't know if I can handle this without food in my stomach. I understand. Cause that would be like very emotional. It was extremely like so emotional. emotional. Like I can't even imagine how emotional that would be. It was very emotional. Yes. But I probably could have done it, but it was very emotional. And I'm glad I did eat in the morning because it was important not to do that the first time without knowing because I'm only two years into my fasting experience, a fasting lifestyle, and that I knew was going to be very emotional. So, mm-hmm. well, that I'm glad, I'm glad that, that that was the right decision, but your normal timing for your eating window, I guess your dinner eating window, when do you usually open? Two, I'll open with a pretty good snack and then we will eat dinner and usually be done by six or seven. Sometimes I open at three or four. So I just push that four or five hours around because now, now that I'm in maintenance or somebody called it equilibrium and I love that. Yeah, I love that word too. We're in equilibrium or homeostasis if you want to get scientific, right? I like that term too. My window's a little bit longer. So I will just usually open in the afternoon though and close before. I like to close before seven, 
But sometimes we're doing special things and that's not an option or I just want whatever is there. So I'll eat it. I'm kind of at the point, you know, I was just thinking about it when you were talking about closing. I really don't ever close my window officially. I just, at some point, stop eating. And if I was hungry again, I would eat, but I'm not usually, and then I go to bed. I hope I get to that point. Yeah, I don't ever officially close my window. Now, Chad does, which is so funny. He is so much more structured than me. Oh, that's interesting. So, yes, because he has two windows, right? He does, bless his heart. <laughs> that's not really how it works, but he does. He has two windows. He has now, he, now that he's retired officially, he really likes to eat around 11, and then he doesn't eat again until 5. But then he, like, after dinner, he brushes his teeth, buddy, and he's not having another thing. And I'm like, would you like? He's like, no, my window is closed. I'm like, okay. He is not going to have anything else after that. I mean, he is very, like, rigid. 11 o'clock, 5 o'clock, window closed, done. Well, I think there's good in that, but I, I would like to be more like you where I'm a little more fluid with it. I just can't. I know we were going to go somewhere just last week. We we're going to go listen to music, and I hadn't eaten yet, and it was like – four o'clock. And I'm like, let's go on this place called the Chimichanga Llama, which is new in Surfside. And I love it. They have really good Mexican food. I'm like, let's go and listen to music and have, you know, a little open our window. He's like, it's not five. <laughs> we, <laughs> waited till really five. we waited till five. And I'm like, okay. So I didn't open my window till five that day because I hadn't had anything yet. But yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I, my husband, he just did whatever I did. He just does what you do. So what he he's the same kind of a thing. He'll have a little snack, then I'll have his dinner, and then that's it. Pretty much. So when I first started, I didn't tell anybody I was doing this because I thought people were going to think I was crazy. And so I didn't even tell him. And then about a month in, he was like, what are you doing? And I told him, he said, oh, I'll just do that with you. So that's how he started. How did he notice you were doing it? I don't remember. It must have been just because I kept putting off eating. And I used to get really hangry and I was not getting hangry. That's what it was. I used to get really hangry and he noticed I wasn't getting really hangry anymore. Okay. Or at lunchtime. And so he, he asked, what's going on? I love that he was open to it though. Yeah. And he lost about 25 pounds as well. Was he hoping to lose weight or did you just did it for the health reasons? He actually was hoping to lose weight. So I did it for migraines. He was hoping to lose weight. We both lost weight and the migraines. Awesome. So you definitely have the the migraine benefit. Have you had any other health benefits or non-scale victories? I have. I have never been diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder, but that has, I'm pretty sure I had it. It has completely gone away with few exceptions. A really weird one that I have is I used to be incredibly sensitive to the sun. So when I would go to somewhere warm, I would get a Terrible rash, very itchy rash. Me it too. Wait. <gasps> Me too. Yes. And it was like inflammatory kind of a thing, right? Like a little prickly red rash, but it was itchy and raised a little bit. It was yours like that? Oh, yes. And and I would get it all over my arms and legs. And- legs. Legs. I remember I it was like maybe it was 2009. I can't remember. Somewhere around there. I went to visit my friend in Virginia and we spent the day maybe at Bush Gardens, but we had been at the pool the day before. And so I'd gotten more sun than usual. And it was just puffy and crazy looking. And I'm like, I think I'm allergic to the sun. It's miserable. You probably yeah. were. My family actually used to make fun of me because I used to go out in the sun and not get tan. I would just, I'd come back inside and they were like, oh, you're out there bleaching, huh? (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that in so long. I forgot that that used to happen to me. Well, what's interesting is that has now gone away because I had figured out how to like not have that reaction anymore with Benadryl and making sure I was like tanning beforehand, neither of which are good for me. And that has, I have not had that a single episode since I started fasting, not one time. And the other weird thing is I can get a tan and maintain it. My skin is totally doing different things. It's amazing. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? 
See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. You know, you're, you're right. And I hadn't thought of that either, but my skin is different now. And of course, now I'm at the beach all the time and my skin is different. I hadn't really thought about that. I'm no longer allergic to the sun and I'm tanning differently than I used to. Yeah, it's sort of fun when all your life you've been made fun of for bleaching when you should be tanning. And that terrible rash was miserable. I don't want that ever again. So, And of course, I lost skin tags, like lots and lots of people. There are a few more that I'd like to go away, so maybe someday. I used to wake up with this back pain in my lower back and in the middle of my, what are the shoulder blades? And that's completely gone. Another weird one that's kind of fun is I used to be a grouch in the morning. Oh, such a meanie grouch just don't talk to me. And it would take me a while to wake up. And that's Adam, my husband says, something's right because you are waking up and you're happy. Like you're a normal human being. (laughs) Thank you, honey. (laughs) Those ketones again, you're waking up. You got the ketone brain instead of the grouchy brain. No hangry brain. Yes. And I'm waking up about an hour earlier than I was in the past. So that's been really fun. Because that's a powerful thing to wake up an hour earlier and be happy. That really is true. You know, I hadn't used an alarm clock for a long, long time because I just always wake up bright and early. I'm usually, I'm kind of sleeping until about six now, which is better, like six or 6.30 even a couple days. But I wake up with the sun. So as soon as the sun starts to peek around the curtains, I'm awake. But I had to set an alarm clock recently. I was traveling. I was in Utah, and I had a very, very early morning flight. And I was like, wait, how do you even set an alarm? I'd forgotten how. But I, I had to set it, like, really early. Like 4 a.m. or something <laughs> I was like, crazy. what if this doesn't go off? So I set, like, three of them just to be sure. Oh, it's a girl after my own heart. That's that's what I would do. I didn't want to miss the plane, right? No. No. <laughs> I do have way better sleep, speaking of waking up, much better sleep. And I can remember my dreams, which is so cool. I've never been able to remember dreams, ever. Now, you're in your 40s, or did how old did you say I'm you were? 51. 51. Okay, so have you been through the menopausal transition yet? Apparently not. I just asked about it recently when I was in, and she was like, no, that's no. Well, I mean, a, a year. You, after, you have a year, then you'll know. <laughs> Once you've been a year with no cycle... <laughs> But 51 is the age I was when I officially hit it. But that's when my sleep started to really suffer for a while. But I'm sleeping again better. So, Oh, good. I was hoping you were. I am sleeping much, much better. So it's like your body just needed to adjust to it again, adjust to the new the new. I gym. think so, <laughs> maybe. And, and I'm also, I really think I read something about vitamin D and melatonin. It talked about how, let me see if I can remember But basically, vitamin D is a great marker that also lets you know what your melatonin levels are doing. But, you know, they always test your vitamin D levels, but rarely test your melatonin levels. And, of course, you need to have certain levels of melatonin to sleep well. But they tend to go hand in hand. So if you've got low vitamin D, you probably also have low melatonin and vice versa. High vitamin D, you probably have high melatonin. But I've never been able to take melatonin. It makes me feel hungover the next day for whatever reason. So I can't take it. But... I've just been out in the sun more. And so I, re- I I always noticed I slept better at the beach, but I thought maybe it's just because I'm more tired because I'm out, you know, in the water and getting the sun. But I am out spending a lot more time in the sun. And so I my hunch is that my vitamin D levels are up, but also hand in hand, my melatonin levels are up. Because I was talking to somebody at a conference that I was at in, when I was in Utah 
And she talked about, you know, going outside in the morning and getting that very early morning sunlight in your eyes as the signal for your body to, to make the melatonin that you need. So I think it's making a huge difference for me because I am sleeping through the night, even if I have wine. That's actually exciting to hear because now I know exactly what to do. I'm just going to move to the beach when I retire. Well, you got to do it. (laughs) It's highly recommended. And, you know, it's funny because we live in this neighborhood that's very much a retirement neighborhood or or vacationers. Like in our little cul-de-sac, we've got, you know, vacationers, vacationers, retired people, retired people. And here we are. We're both officially retired. But in my water aerobics class... I'm very, very, very much the youngest person there, let me just say. <laughs> well, congratulations on retiring. But they've all retired to the beach. So that's what's be- beautiful about it. So I'm here with all the people. They're like telling me about the early birds, where to go eat dinner. and <laughs> I'm like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to those days. I mean, I want to live till I'm 100. So yeah, me too. Me too. But you know, you run your own business. Yes. So you may never get to retire. I have to just tell you that. We're hoping that our children will want to take over someday, but we shall see. Well, and how old are those children now? They actually run it with us. So they are 26, 24, and 22. Okay. Well, see, you're training them up right. I hope so. You know, we always we want them to go off and do what they want to do, though. If they don't just love this business, then we want them to experience something that they do. So we don't want to trap them there. So far, do you, do you think that they are going to love it? I know my youngest does love it. The other two, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I think that's great. I, I know that there's something to be said for having a family business. Well, we, we do really love it. So we'll see how it goes in the years to come. Well, that's great. So is there anything that you struggle with in your intermittent fasting lifestyle? The Conferences and conventions are a little bit rough for me because I want to be part of the lunch crowd or the evening crowd. And sometimes that extends my window a little bit more than I want it to. And I feel that diet tyrant kind of kicking in saying, this is a diet when it's, it's not. And wanting to follow all of these rules that I don't need to follow. So that sometimes is a little bit hard because I get jealous that I, that I quote, can't eat. I can't eat. I'm choosing not to. (laughs) I talk about when I went to Utah, I just mentioned it like three times, but when I was in Utah for a conference recently, because it was a time change, I was like, this is not really, this lunchtime is not really much earlier than my normal window on the East Coast time. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to have lunch and then I'll have dinner and I'm just going to have two meals. That lasted one day. I was so tired all afternoon after having that lunch that I was like, I am not doing this tomorrow. I was so draggy. I had to have coffee at like three in the afternoon just to get through it. Yeah, I've experienced the same thing. I actually posted recently, hey, this is what I've learned. Don't eat the box lunch. It's not worth it just because everybody else is eating it. And so then I would I sat with the people the next day at lunch and they and this is these are all like you know people in healthcare and wellness it's that kind of community and they're like you're not eating I'm like no I'm fasting they're like wow that's a lot of fasting I'm like <laughs> I don't want to eat I ate yesterday I was miserable <laughs> That is exactly what happened to me on the last one I did so lesson learned I hope I don't want to have to relearn that I'll probably relearn it <laughs> But, you know, you have to feel it. Then you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't like to do this. I know that I don't, but. (laughs) Yeah. You'd think I'd know by 51, but we'll see. So you struggle a little bit with that, and I get it. It's like the FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. It is, yeah. Is there anything else that you struggle with? I would say mostly it's related about, or yeah, mostly around social events. It revolves around social events for me. That's where I get a little bit, I'm going to use the word panicky, but that's not really it. Just a little bit more thoughtful about what time it is and whether or not it's really going to be worth opening my window. It's literally all based around social events right now. Because remember, I started when everybody was at home. It was very easy. (laughs) Because there were no social events. There were no social events. So That's very true. But you're right. Social events do make it a little more challenging. I've had a lot wider windows this summer since we've welcomed lots and lots of guests into our our home. So I'm like, all right, we're having a really long window today with two meals. And then I'm like, all right, time to get back to normal. So today I'm having a later opening because we're recording. It's almost 5 p.m. and I haven't opened yet. So, Well, I haven't either, but it's only actually where I am. I think it's it's three o'clock. Okay. Okay. So you're not at home today. I'm not. No, we are on vacation, actually. 
Oh, that's exciting. Where are you? We are in one of my favorite spots in the world in Cabo, which is actually near San Jose del Cabo, which is a really mellow area of Cabo San Lucas. So so when you said Mexico, Mexican food in Mexico, you were meaning right now. Right now. Yes. I was present time. <laughs> awesome. Well, that is some of my very favorite food. So Me too. <laughs> That's really exciting. So do you share intermittent fasting in your everyday life? I do now. I actually, in November of 2020, I said, you know what? Somebody else can benefit from this. And I started an Instagram account just for just because I wanted to talk about it all the time. And Adam, my husband, was like, yes, we've heard this. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, and I do talk about it a lot. And I've talked to people who have started. I have an aunt who started, several cousins, and a number of friends who've started. And they've all had, not all of them actually, but most of them who've stuck with it have had really good outcomes. I think that's the key, people who stick with it, right? If you stick with it, you're going to have some positive benefits along the way. You might not lose, you know, maybe you want to lose 100 pounds and you lose 20 and then you feel stuck and you're not having great weight loss, but your body's doing some other important things and you see other benefits along the way. So I think that's absolutely critical that and making sure that they understand if something, if they don't feel like it's working, they need to try a different way of doing it. If they've been at 24, then maybe they try something different. Maybe they go to alternate day fasting or maybe they try any other way to do it. Something tweak it till it's easy. Tweak it till something works. And it might include changing what you're eating. And I know that that doesn't sound exciting for people because they're like, but you promised me I could eat whatever I wanted. I'm like, you can, but (laughs) you know, you might have to make some changes to help your body heal. I agree with that. You know, to have a healthy gut and to have, you know, decreased insulin resistance, you know, it, it might take some changes and it might not. And hopefully it won't. And eventually you'll just be eating the things that are delicious to you and that make you feel great. But if you need to do some changes, you need to do the changes. Yes. And I think intermittent fasting helps you get to that point where you can recognize those things for sure with food. Definitely. Like I I know I don't feel great if I eat too much meat, big hunks of meat. Like you're saying you eat a steak almost every day. I could not do that. (laughs) It feels so heavy in my stomach. And I... I actually had no idea that wine, red wine, was not doing me, not doing good things for me. So that's where I learned that was through intermittent fasting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do great with red wine. I can have a, like a sip or two of some dry farm wines, red, but that's, that's it when it comes to red. I can't do a lot. Even with dry farm wines, I can't do a lot of it. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Well, I was one of the lucky ones and knew that I needed to do a clean fast. So I'm very grateful for that. But first starting out, even if you're doing it for health reasons, I think you should measure every part of your body. Oh, yeah. And I know lots of people say that, but I I want to reiterate it because measure your wrists, measure your calves, measure your neck. Those are weird places to measure, but you do lose weight from those places. I would say keep track of your non-scale victories. That is something that is mind-blowing once you start realizing how many non-scale victories you actually have. And don't stop fasting. Continue to do it because if you stop, you've stopped all of your all of your forward momentum. And if you have stopped, jump back in. Yeah. Stop stopping and start back. Yeah. That really is. You know, I had an epiphany very recently in, in the community we were talking about, you know, fast, feast, repeat. And I've always said, you know, the magic is in the clean fast. And some people are like, well, it's it's what you're eating is really, really important. You know, the feast is important. But then I I realized the magic is in the repeat. The fact that you just keep doing it. Yes. That's where the magic really is. Fast, feast, repeat. Repeat. You're right. That's true. I know. It just all of a sudden came to me. I'm like, I've had it wrong this whole time because people struggle with starting and stopping. And that was me too. You know, when all those years that I struggled from 09 to 14, and when I dabbled in intermittent fasting, I just quit, kept quitting. And so I lived through the hard part over and over again. So we got to master the repeat. Yeah, just keep repeating it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Beth, I just really appreciate that you took some time out of your magical vacation to talk to us today. And I appreciate you sharing your story. 
Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to hearing everybody else's stories. Absolutely. And everybody, again, if you want to hear more about Beth's work and her pawn shop, you can go to Life Lessons and find episode 86. It came out on July 20th, and you can listen to her there. Thanks again, Beth. Thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.